when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. What's good, Internet? It is Monday, January 22nd, and you are listening to Waypoint Radio. There is a government shutdown, but that'll disappear soon because there's going to be a deal that no one is happy with, probably. I'm Austin Walker. Joining me today, Danielle Riendo. Hello. Hello. Rob Zachney. Hey, everybody. And uh, the woke gamer himself, Patrick Clark. Oh, everyone missed my great joke. We should edit that back into the podcast somehow. Oh. Just drop it in. Just, Just drop, drop that it back joke in. in right here. Drop it. God. God. Uh, we're going to talk about video games today, even though the, the world seems to continuously be a raging shit fire, um, which is, which is, but you know what, it, it, what's great is it turns out video games have their own raging shit fires. Uh, here's a headline, uh, from Kotaku, David Cage's Quantic Dream accused of being a toxic workplace update. And the update is, um, one of the, is the, the co-CEO of Quantic Dream saying that, that he will take all possible legal actions to defend his honor quote-unquote, and that is a good... So this actually happened, uh, I guess, not this past weekend, but the weekend before, and we didn't do a Monday show last week. Um, and I feel like David Cage and Quantic Dream have been such a constant on our show, um, especially with the lead into Detroit. Uh, for people who maybe don't know the name offhand, David Cage is a the CEO, I believe the CEO of, of Quantic Dream, one of, the, one of the CEOs of Quantic Dream, uh, which is a developer that's made games like um, Indigo Prophecy, uh, Heavy Rain, Beyond Two Souls. Uh, you can go all the way back to Omicron, which starred David Bowie in it. Hell um, yeah, Omicron. <laughs> and we have like I think we've had I don't I think this show has had a pretty firm uh, stance on David Cage, but I'd say myself I had an arc from like love to hate that like as I became more mature and revisited some of his games as I got older, I came away liking them less and less until finally with Beyond I, I all of my affection was shattered minus one or two scenes where he's still kind of or not he but the studio kind of nails it. Um, but this story came out of Kotaku. This story actually came out not from Kotaku. Kotaku did a did a good write up. Uh, Eurogamer did a good write up. But they, they originated in three different French outlets. Um, which, when that happens, you know, when that happens, I tend to believe that that, that there is enough smoke to, to count some fire. Two uh, two, two of them worked, uh, from what I understand, collaborated on. Yeah, I think Canard PC and um, Media Part. Uh, yeah, they collaborated. Published, they published separate. Articles, but uh, I guess yes. uh, we're sharing some information. Uh, and can we just say Lamond... when the French press thinks something sexist that, that something's <laughs> got to be real bad for that to happen? Uh, yeah, and Le Monde was the was the third, uh, which is a kind of a world renowned, uh, um, uh, you know, newspaper. Um, 
Uh, I'm just going to read from the from the Kotaku story here to get people caught up. According to Lamont's report by way of Eurogamer, five former employees filed a complaint in the spring of 2017 against the company and one of its employees for circulating degrading images. In February of 2017, a trove of 600 photoshops of various employees that were homophobic or sexist in nature, and some of which even included Nazi symbols, was discovered by an IT manager who had been the subject of one of them. That's don't fuck with the IT manager. That's how you get. That's how you get got. Um, these files dated back to 2013. Uh, with some even displayed in the open spaces, although studio heads David Cage and uh, Guillaume de, F- de Fondmier uh, claim that they were not a fair of the offensive ones. Um, the On top of all of that, there's just kind of a, an overview of what the culture is like. Um, there is, you know, uh, writing, especially if you go through the, the Eurogamer piece, um, they talk about how, uh, you know, there's a, a big dick on a dick that farts on one of the walls, oh. which is great. Um, there's just an amazing moment in the Le Mans story. I believe it's the Le Mans story that is like David Cage telling a reporter that the culture isn't toxic there. And behind him is the giant dick, uh, <laughs> farting, which is like, that's good. Um, uh, but then also just like racist remarks, racist jokes, uh, made to people of color on staff. Um, one, uh, this is from the Eurogamer story. One incident involved burglary caught on CCTV after watching Cage allegedly act, asked an employee of Tunisian descent, is that a cousin of yours? Oh my God. Um, the, there's also just a very like, he can do whatever he wants. This isn't a safe space. This is his space. This is like in dirty jokes, a smutty, quote, smutty remarks in the presence of, of his wife and inappropriate remarks about actresses in his games. Uh, and then this just beautiful, beautiful note. Cage, uh, beautiful, deeply sarcastic here. Cage, a part particular, Cage particularly is painted as a figure hard to work with. He is apparently ironically nicknamed Papa, God, and Sun King for his autocratic approach for, uh, to working, for demanding long hours and you not listening to others. You can't give yourself your own nickname. Uh, you know, you it, can't. You can't be T-Bone. You can't be Sun King. <laughs> Especially in France, where Sun King is like a very specific reference to Louis the Fourteenth, right? Like, don't yeah. that's they didn't they kill that motherfucker? No, they killed his grand. Uh, oh, you're right. You're right. Uh, you're no, right, Louis the Fourteenth right. is the guy who like creates the modern state of France right. and is like a uh, epoch defining luminary, oh. right? Like um, David Cage, who has defined gaming as high art. Uh, finally, we have an artist among us. Um, well, I mean, Louis XIV was famous uh, for saying that he wanted uh, to make France as good as a Hollywood movie. Uh, so, and that—that that is indeed what he and achieved, he, and he pulled it uh, off, and what he's best remembered for. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> of course. In what year? He was so ahead of his time. This was this was what seventeen <laughs> nineties at this point. Before that, yeah. Six, I mean, yeah. it took yeah. like two hundred years for people to even figure out what, what the hell he was even yeah, saying. Yeah, so ahead of his time. God. So I think this, you know, this comes in the rash, uh, in, in the middle of a rash of obviously lots of ongoing conversations around uh, kind of sexism uh, in in media, in entertainment, uh, in the world in general. Also, you know, even in just our little corner of the world, this comes in uh, you know, just after accusations about um, about uh, some some shitty culture at uh, Naughty Dog, which. I, it feels like no one has talked about it in a little while. Yeah. Um, probably because people who are doing reporting on that story are doing reporting on that story, and I, that sort of reporting takes a long time, and you kind of have to be nose down uh, or head down. Your nose has to be really in it. Um, but but it, it it's one of those things where it's like, I wanted to bring it up because it would be very easy to be like, oh, that news was two weeks ago. It's not that big of a deal. Move on now. 
and it sucks. Like this, this game is going to come out. This game that's tackling exactly these, like not these issues, but is aiming to tackle issues like race and and sexual violence and you know all of the things that are that we've been like eyebrows raised on because we haven't really trusted Cage's track record here. It's now tarnished even further by knowing that at least by some accounts the culture of of the studio is exactly the wrong sort of place to be trying to tackle these sorts of very um, complex and delicate delicate topics. Well, there's, think, a, oh, uh, there's, sorry, a, there's a there's a bit in um, one of the uh, the articles that talks about the uh, the team or elements of the team saying like, "Hey, you're going to get some pushback for this clip you're going to put out that seems right. extremely misogynistic and fucked up." Um, which is the, the bit from, uh, was it Gamescom? Or no, the Paris Games Week uh, uh-huh. last October. Um, and, you know, him uh, pushing back that in his sun god complex. Uh, and, and, you know, essentially just, you know, what I make is what I make. And, you know, put up or shut up. And, you know, there's also a pervasive um, sense of the reporting that there's a, a lot of uh, high turnover and exhaustion. And, like, the uh-huh. you know, like 60 different, 50 to 60 different people have left in the last 12 months, which is probably, that's that's not a great number. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I I would also imagine this game has been in a perpetual crunch for, you know, I can't, this is, this is me reading between the lines, but given the way that this game has had, like, ephemeral release dates for the better part of two years, uh, suggests right. it's a game that's had a lot of turmoil and, and late nights to get it into a place where it is supposedly going to release uh, this spring. But, yeah, it, I think you're absolutely right, Austin. It, it, uh, it, it creates a, uh, does not create the right atmosphere or creates an interesting atmosphere to go into playing that game when that is surrounding the game itself. I think one of the most uh, insane quotes from this, and also one of the most sort of disgusting and pervasive attitudes we see around this at, at a larger piece as well, is like a quote that's in this piece. I'm, I'm looking at the Kotaku piece. Uh, you're reported from Le Monde, uh, where Cage is uh, reportedly saying, you want to talk about homophobia? I work with Ellen Page, who fights for LGBT rights. You want to talk about racism? I work with Jesse Williams, who fights for civil rights in the USA. Judge me by my work. And it's like, that's not a good. That's not a good line to end God. on, David, because if we start yes. judging you by your work, then we have yes. some extremely problematic shit to talk yep. about. Also, you're literally well, I think- asking us to judge you by your connections instead exactly. of your work. Exactly. <laughs> Hiding but, behind also, other they- people is the and most also- cowardly, oh. shitty thing. And this is something you see all the time when people are accused of toxic behavior or accused of harassment or, or misconduct. Like, they're like, no, it couldn't be me. I, you know, voted for Hillary or whatever. Yeah, whatever <laughs> bullshit I would have voted for Obama for a third term. Yep, that, yeah, exactly. Thank you, get out. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Well, like, also, if we ask Ellen Page, yes. what's she actually going to say <laughs> about that experience? God. <laughs> well, and let's, let's conveniently for uh, remember that uh, wasn't there, like, a whole, like, uh, uh, you know, when they captured her... Uh, like nude and that yes. got hacked in the game and she was like she like, was exploring legal op- legal action mm-hmm. against Sony because there were images that leaked online of her character model nude but the in the game she's never seen as fully nude and it's not and so she's like why is this even a thing that's in there like why would you ever even actually have the naked model of me in the game if you're not like that's not a thing we agreed to and so she explored legal option apparently, um, or legal legal action against Sony, um, but I don't think anything actually shook out from it. So I'm not sure Ellen Page is gonna have the nicest things to say. <laughs> no, no. I mean, there is that there is that very convenient and and probably just based on timing photo of Ellen Page and uh, Willem Dafoe like looking looking away like side eyeing uh, uh, 
Cage. Have you seen that? Yeah. Oh, back it's, when they're doing the press tour stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so good. It's so perfect. Um, and yeah, I, I think the, the other thing here, too, is just like, it is, it is frustrating because we have talked so much about how games like this could have a place in games culture if they came out of the kind of right studio culture with kind of um, limited ambition or, or, or adjusted ambition um, and came out of a sort of love of kind of cheesy bullshit. Um, and instead, what we're left with is a studio that on one hand goes out and stands on a stage and gets applauded for what they claim to be doing, which is breaking down, you know, boundaries and, and you know, leading making games into think. a bright future, making people think. Uh, and then, and then, not only is the actual are the actual allegations really terrible, um, and and again, you know, they are allegations. I I'm I think that these are credible allegations based on what the reporter who the reporters are, based on what the outlets are, based on the fact that it's coming from three different sources. Um, but but you have a, an image of a deeply immature uh, studio head, deeply uh, toxic culture, and then even just judging on the responses. The response from from Cage saying "Judge me by my work," which is what the quote he gave to Lamond in, in response to these allegations. The response uh, from the, the co CEO uh, Defundemier, who says who says uh, Quantic Dream categorically denies the allegations. As for myself, I'm furious and outraged by these accusations, which I take very seriously, and I will take all possible legal actions to defend my honor. Is like you don't you are not taking them seriously. If you're taking them seriously, what you say is like. Oh shit! We got to investigate. Like we got to clean house. We have to take steps to prevent this from happening. Oh shit! We fucked up. And how do we make sure that we don't fuck up again? Yeah. That's take. You're not taking them seriously if you're like, all right, pistols at dawn, motherfucker. Like that's not. That's not taking seriously these well, claims. One of the things that's scary about this era is that performative umbrage has almost replaced yeah. like internal introspection and accountability. Uh, I mean, we saw a little bit of this with Naughty Dog's uh, response to allegations about, uh, you know, treatment of mm-hmm. an employee who had uh, harassment issues uh, there, uh, where it was a very quick, you know, we looked into it uh, and we we gave ourselves a clean bill of health yeah. uh, and we're, <laughs> we're very proud of that. And we take this, mm-hmm. of course, very, very seriously. Uh, but you, you see the, the same thing, uh, you know, with regard regard to political scandals as well. This this idea that, like, if you just act sufficiently offended yeah. that someone is even making the accusation, uh, you know, in the eyes of a lot of passive observers, uh, that will suffice uh, to sort of close the book on it, right? Uh, so it's... I mean, this was, like, nearly the, the Roy Moore story this year, right? Like, or last year. Yeah. Um, um, but I think the, the other thing with this is just... I really need to start believing people when they tell me who they are. Yeah. Because um, if you look at David Cage, uh, I for a long time I've sort of written him off as like a mostly harmless, like aesthetic clown mm-hmm. uh, in, in some ways whose ambitions are informed by, uh, you know, just, just the trashiest of like Hollywood prestige movies, uh, but actually has no real like artistic vision or, or insight. Um but if you look at the things he's created, there often is an element where he's trying to do something that will like win him that like that element of prestige, right? Oh, this game's going to be this game's going to be about race. Uh, that you know, I'm working I, I'm working with uh, you know Willem Dafoe and Ellen Page mm-hmm. on this one. There's a lot of superficial elements of I'm making a prestige play here, right? But then when you look at what he creates, 
why are the female characters almost universally wildly underwritten and then also <laughs> transformed into a sexual reward for the hero? Oh, or yes, else sexually assaulted, right? Yeah. One yeah, or the other. Why are his tech demos? Yeah. Or both, right. Always centered on being like, of just like observing a vulnerable woman, right? Like the original Heavy Rain uh, you know, teaser was the classic like hysterical ex-girlfriend mm. uh, trope, basically holding you at gunpoint. Why was the teaser trailer for uh, Detroit Become Human the the thing the the, the prototype saw ages yeah. ago? Yeah, was a an, a a sexualized android begging for her life. Right. Uh, why does this keep happening? And it turns out that that's really his vi- that that from the sound of it from the story, that's his actual vision. That's his actual worldview. And everything else is just gilding around that to mm-hmm. make it seem like he has a larger point other than objectification and exploitation. Yeah, I, I, I think it is, it is one of those things where it's going to be... It, the thing that's weird is we haven't had the moment of... What was the movie Kevin Spacey was, was just um, replaced in? Oh, yeah. All the Money uh, in the World. What was it? One more time. All the money in the world. Yeah. All the money in the world, in which they did reshoots with who? Who did they recast mm. for that role? I forget who it was. Plumber. Plumber isn't yeah, that the it's yeah. Christopher Plummer. Yeah, Chris Plummer. Yeah. Um, uh, we haven't had that moment in gaming, and I don't know when or if we will. And I, obviously, this isn't about reshoots with something like um, Detroit, but it is like as the editor in chief of Waypoint, I have to think very hard about what coverage looks like for that game at this point. Um, I think we've spoken before about how I think we dropped the ball with our initial Life is Strange before the Storm coverage last year because of uh, failure to talk about the the labor, the labor strike and, and how you scab labor and all that stuff with regards to before the Storm and how like we corrected, we course corrected. People responded like, hey, y'all didn't bring this up at all. We expected you to bring this up. Our readership did that. And they were right, because that was an issue that we have been very vocal about. We, we covered the voice actor strike. We, we wrote long pieces about it. We dug into the complexities of it. We were like one of the few outlets that said, hey, um, <clears throat> this isn't about, this isn't actually about what you think of as residuals. This is about bonuses. And like, let's break that out for you. And then an example came where the game was exactly the sort of thing we should have been paying attention to the labor angle and we dropped the ball and so now i'm thinking a lot about what coverage of detroit looks like here and, and i know we, we I'm, I'm confident in our ability to tackle it critically really well but like i'm curious what the preview cycle for this game looks like across the industry right now i'm curious what outlets how outlets cover this and whether or not this story shows up i'm curious if this is a case I mean, we've spoken about this stuff before a little bit here or there, but we there's a there's kind of a spectrum of of how you bring in the complexities of the outside world into a story uh, or into your coverage, right? Like there's the sort of like, okay, we're going to give the audience the information they need, the reader the, the information they need to come to their own conclusions. There's the, uh, I'm just not willing to give my platform to this person because they're a fucking bigot. Um, and, and I'm up in the air a little bit on Detroit right now. Uh, which is not to say we're not going to cover it at all, but like it, it sort of depends maybe... on what the game wants to say, right? Like because right. we we know ultimately so little about what like for as much as we have seen of that game in various scenes, like I still couldn't give you like a good sense of like what that game is going to be or like where it lands. Right. And, well, <laughs> and I think that ends up uh, well, that ends up informing like how much of 
you know that out that outside stuff influences how like because there's a world where the, the very things it touches it's impossible to talk about that game without considering you know what we know yep. about its totally. the, the environment it was created in. Well, it's funny because Rob and I had just been on the uh, Vice Guide to Right Now, which is Vice's daily podcast, where uh, the the podcast producer here, uh, Sophie, was like, "Hey, like." Y'all talk it had just good. Been Twelve hours later. I know, dude. I know. Oh, no. uh, she was like, "Oh, you guys do a good job talking about video games all the time." I had just done this podcast. I was just on uh, here and now, uh, which is uh, an NPR podcast about what's happening right here and right now. <laughs> and I talked about 2017 and 2018 in games and politics and stuff like that. Uh, and she was like, "Oh, she had recorded my side of that conversation." And so, so she was like, "Oh, it would be cool if you guys could do something similar, or maybe a little bit more focused for the Vice Guide to right now." And so Rob and I, Rob was in town, like, "Oh yeah, we'll talk about politics in the beginning of." the year or the game throughout the beginning of 2018 and one of those was Detroit Become Human uh, and this was like like you said Rob like 12 hours before those stories oh, hit <laughs> maybe 24 um, and we were skeptical about it as we have always been but but we left the door open and said like well but who knows like maybe all of the violence meter shit there will be the twist that says hey actually like you tried to win via respectability politics and you can't win with these people's respectability politics the only people who win with respectability politics are shitty white dudes who get to say how respectable they are and get away with murder um and we said that and then like 24 hours later this happened and it's like well <laughs> uh, and and it feels like it just closes that possibility somewhat like it doesn't actually who knows I, we all know that a studio makes a game an individual doesn't make a game but when the guy is called Sun, Sun King internally it's hard to not feel like the touch of this stuff is going to run through that game well and it, it feels very much that David Cage uh uh you know, has a uh, sort of like Kojima-like persona in, in regards to like how his games are developed um, in which, yes, there is a support team that you know, makes that game happen. It is, it, is the, it is the work of a team, not of purely an individual, but the way that both the games are framed in their marketing and in the way that uh, we've kind of come to understand how they are made, you cannot separate that chief persona from like the, the work writ large and mm-hmm. that, that is just kind of the nature of it like yes lots hundreds of people work to build this but you can't you can't extract th- those elements from the person at the top for and that, that is true for some games and, and not true for others but it seems with with this this is very much uh very much that kind of game totally totally speaking of cyberpunk games <laughs> that have uh have some content issues um and lots of ambition i'd say yep. uh danielle you you and i both played through uh, a game uh called red string club the red strings club yes. the red string diaries uh, yeah red strings club the red strings club uh which is a cyberpunk game set in the somewhat far future uh it's it's trading right. in a lot of tropes about a cyberpunk this game is- deconstruct team right yes, this is, is the team behind gods will be watching which was um a a kind of a god i don't even know how to describe gods will be watching uh, also a sci-fi game adventure <clears throat> a, game adventure puzzle i'd yeah, say adventure puzzle. like it was a, that game was all about like monitoring resources and timers and like trying to break into places before everything blew up it was very weird it was very um, brutal too it was Tough. very brutal really yeah. hard um, turned off a, a lot li- of people yeah yeah there's a little bit of that in this but i wouldn't say that's the bulk of it um what was your experience with it can you can you yeah. uh, explain the game a little bit for me so um i i'll be clear that i really loved it until i think it took a misstep uh and i won't spoil anything uh but generally it's a sort of a 2d uh, you know sort of beautiful uh pixel art 
cyberpunk game that looks like what you think of when you think of a cyberpunk game. There's a lot of cityscapes, there's a lot of neon, there's a lot of uh, drinking in a little bar that has a piano and like a red fan. It's only missing the uh, the, the sort of uh, the shutter, the drapes, like the <laughs> Venetian blinds, uh, that kind of lighting. Um, so uh, basically, you take play, uh, you are playing as Donovan, at least for most of the game, who is a bartender who makes drinks. Uh, that uh, suit people's uh, different aspects of their personalities to get information because you're an information broker, of course, and you work with a bunch of cool hackers who are trying to bring down the evil corporations. And there are a whole bunch of evil corporations, but there is one in particular uh, that is an evil corporation with a heart, or at least that's uh, sort of how it's presented. Yeah. And uh, said evil corporation has a plot... Uh, and this is really the sort of the central conflict of the game. This isn't really spoiling anything, I don't think, but it has a central plot to do something to humanity that they think will make everybody happy, but a lot of people are not interested in conforming to this thing that will make everybody I happy. I think it's it's fair to say, I think like the heart of this game is is a discussion about like brainwashing, yes. basically, right? Yeah. Or like cultural brainwashing in some in some regards. And in fact, the thing that I kept coming back to is um the Red Strings Club felt like an actually um uh, well-intended and maybe even better informed version of what the developer of the last night, that other cyberpunk game, yeah. that the the milkshake duck cyberpunk game from, from E3 <laughs> last year, said he wanted to write about yeah. and, and make a game about, right? Um, the, the kind of core conflict or, or core conversation throughout this game is like, hey, if you could snap your fingers and make the world a better place, would you? What would that world look like? Um, what does that mean for people's autonomy? Like, should we should we live in a world where it's okay for bad things to happen because and for people to be sad and for people to be depressed and and like for for people to be hurt? Um, or it, would it be better to live in a world without all of that stuff? Um, but also with by by you know in that way autonomy seemingly being being kind of uh, minimized. Um, I think it handles, I think it handles all well. of that stuff yeah. pretty well. Yeah. yeah, I actually think that it handles all that stuff really well. Um, one of my favorite things, and I don't know if this worked for you, Danielle, but like you have these conversations with a character playing as Donovan, who is this, who is this bartender. Someone comes in, you have conversations with the person who came in, you put them in a certain mood based on the drinks that you make. You know, you, you, you mix together these four drinks, basically, that, that uh, the, depending on the combination, can put them in one of, one of a couple of moods that they have access to. You're not just like pulling from a list. It's not like you say like, okay, I can make them angry, I can make them sad, I can make them happy, I can make them powerful, whatever. Um, yeah, it's like moods are aspects of their own personalities that they're bringing into the world. Basically. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, and then you talk to them and you have a conversation and it's conveniently almost everyone you serve drinks to is tied into this big conspiracy that you're working through. <laughs> you're never just really sat, like getting uh, serving drinks to randos, which I kind of wish it did have. Um, There's but then one, after- but it, yeah. He's yeah. kind of tied in. It's Yeah, it's, it still ends up being kind of tied yeah, in. Yeah. Um, the... The after that you have a conversation with with someone who's there helping you in the bar who is like hey what do you think about one it's like what's up with this with the person you just talked to like kind of like break break down uh, what you think that conversation was really about and then it's it follows up with that with like a question about society and about like hey do you think um, do you think marketing is evil and one of the things I really liked about this game that really worked was that the main character, Donovan, had good answers for the devil advocate uh, yeah. kind of responses that came. So, like, if you said, um, if you say, yeah, uh, marketing is evil, the the character who you're talking to is like, oh, but doesn't that mean X, Y, Z? And then your character's like, yeah, but, like, 
no, like that's stupid. You can't just say... so. For instance, the marketing the the marketing one was like, do you believe that marketing is evil? And if your character is like, yeah, it, it takes our art our art the our autonomy. It uh, is filled with propaganda. Like it, it keeps the rich rich. It keeps the, those in power power uh, powerful. Um, the the I, we don't I don't believe that anything that that sole reason to exist is to move your mind on something uh, is is good. The person who you're talking to can say like or does say something similar to yeah, but don't art and music and culture and stories do that too? And your character is just like stop it, like no, like of, yes, of course <laughs> art and culture move you, but those aren't always in those those are not built for the sole ex exclusive purpose to keep the power the powerful powerful. Um, and like actually has a good response to that, and I thought that was a really good touch because otherwise it would have felt like this really weird devil's advocacy like all sides are wrong thing I felt like you could get through a lot of it feeling like you had a good handle uh, yeah. on on an ethos on a firm position there's also nuanced answers which I really appreciate yeah. as well uh, it does allow you to do the yes but uh, yes. which is really yeah, yeah, yeah. nice it, it feels like a, a more sophisticated in terms of the writing itself and the choices you can make it does feel like a much more sophisticated take on a lot of these issues that are very very sort of pure cyberpunk like there's a lot of stuff with ai as well there's a lot of mm -hmm. stuff on the ethics of uh sort of changing your brain like uh, having implants to do certain things for you uh there's a lot of things around the ethics of what what's right to do to an ai what's you know not right to mm -hmm. do to an ai as well as these sort of much larger societal questions i do think the sort of societal questions are the crux of the game and I really appreciated that. And I also appreciated that this game let me kind of pick a profile for Donovan that was like very specifically for certain things and against other things and maybe mm -hmm. some of those contradicted, but that's what I feel. So it, it kind of let was, me it's have okay that. to be hypocritical. Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, which was awesome. <coughs> I, I think but the speaking game of hypocritical, yeah, unfortunately. Exactly. Right? I was going to say I think the game also does some really cool things in terms of sexuality, and it also falls completely and utterly on its face and bleeds out of its face uh, with uh, another aspect. Um, again, I don't want to spoil anything, uh, but it's worth saying there are some really cool moments uh, in terms of like queer, like positive queer representation, and there's a really fucked up moment that is pretty transphobic. Uh, which I think it's I, I'm willing to say that like there's a character who gets dead named in this game okay, in yeah. a way that is like bad. really shitty. Uh, it's it's bad. really lazy. <laughs> like I, I as a as a writer, it was there are so many solutions to the narrative problem that the game gets itself in towards the end. Yeah, and there is no reason that you know here's what it, what it feels like to me, and this is completely me saying like gut feeling is that the game wanted to include a trans character mm -hmm. um, and did not... I, I don't know I don't know why they didn't just address it in a, in a more straight-up way, because it, it deals with a lot of other issues of gender and of sexuality um, very directly. Yeah. Um, but it feels like this was supposed to be some sort of well-intentioned, like, oh, that character was trans, she was great. Um, yeah. And it's just not. <laughs> it's just the opposite of that entirely. It's just like... It's gross. It's like a very gross play, and it takes away from something. It takes away from something that had been good because it immediately complicates an earlier depiction of that character yeah. because she then starts to fall into a bunch of other tropes that uh, trans characters often get get uh, placed with, um, and it's just so fucking frustrating yeah. because you want to support the work that like takes risks and does try to tackle difficult. Uh, not difficult, but complex topics that like are 
tackled throughout the game. Um, but at the same time, it's such a fundamental misplay uh, that I can't imagine people being happy with it. Like it's it's tough. Yeah, it, it's really it just, it it's really shitty. And my God, would have been like actually, and I and I feel comfortable saying this. This there's an easy fix. There was an easy fix for this. Like. <laughs> You, you There's can, a million easy like, fixes. Yeah. Really like, the, yeah. The way it was handled, it was just like entirely unnecessary. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. this is like, you know, the the this is not what it is, but it's basically like there is a door. The door has a lock on it, and the key has the has the dead name on basically, it. And it's like, yeah. Why do you could you could just had a key? You could have done anything exactly. else. The key could have had anything else on it. Um, it's so frustrating. Uh, when is it? So like, is it? Just grossly incompetent, or is it trying to showcase like a shitty transphobic worldview? No, that, like, I don't like, think is so. Is it saying like ah, transphobia is here and it's it's still in this world? But if it was doing that, they had other vectors to do yeah. that with much more directly. Um, this uh, reads as gross incompetence to me, especially because it, as part of this sort of general line of dialogue, there's a sort of a moment of. Acknowledging, oh, this corporation. I'm glad they paid for your your healthcare. Like, there, there's a moment of trying to say something about like a good corporation will pay for trans healthcare. It it, it feels like they wanted yeah. to say. Again, I can't tell you what the developers were actually thinking, but my read <laughs> right, is right. that they were trying to say something positive and absolutely fucked it up. Like really fucked it up. Well, yeah. The the thing there too that's interesting is I, I think that the interesting dilemma of this game is this corporation, this mega corporation is by all accounts like positive. It, it, it you know, pays for people's healthcare in a, in a, in a very broad way. It is like, it does public works. It like, it is, it is the ideal mega like cyberpunk mega corporation. <laughs> and like the fundamental thing is like, yeah, but it's still a cyberpunk mega corporation. It's still capitalism. It's still going to fuck with you. Um, and, and is there good enough? Do you believe that there is a good, good enough here? Um, and, the fact that they miss this thing is like so frustrating because <laughs> yeah. it undercuts so much of what they're going for. Um, yeah. and, and in a weird way, maybe embodies it, right? Like, uh, the, this is a, a developer who's doing their best, but at the end of their day, like they still are going to drop the ball on this issue because this is an issue that should be dealt with, with like way more care and knowledge and, and consultancy and all that other stuff. So, I, it's it's frustrating yeah. um, because otherwise I'd be singing the praises of this game to high heaven. You know? Yes, same. <laughs> Would you say it is still worth playing despite the missteps at the end? I think it's probably it is. I I, I think that there is something here if you go into it knowing that that's there and you feel comfortable um, like paying money for it. Then like I guess um, I think it does a lot. Well, I think there's other stuff that it does wrong. Like I really wish that you could load a save in this game and like change your answer after you beat the game it's like it's called the red strings club because there's like the red string of destiny and there's a, a map screen sort of a timeline screen that breaks down all of the choices you made yeah. right so it's like oh you installed this this um upgrade onto this person and then like down the road like three hours from now you'll see that that person is different because you installed this upgrade that made them like a rebellious punk instead <laughs> of like a good corporate lawyer basically or whatever right um, but there's no way to just jump back and be like, oh, let me try to install the other upgrade there. You have to start the game completely over, and you can fast forward, but, like, I really think that as a pure game, it would be so much stronger if I could just go, if I could do, it's not 999, it's the other ones, the sequel to that game, right, that lets you just, like, jump to different nodes, Patrick? VLR. 
yeah, VLR lets you, if it had that where it's just like, let me just jump to this node and I want to like duplicate this, this current timeline and let me like tinker a little bit more, there would be a lot more uh, of interest here because there's a bunch of different branches that I haven't seen. Um, but uh, right now, like given this, like I, I would not, if I, if I knew about this twist at the end, not the twist, but this, this, the way that they mishandled this yeah. thing, <laughs> I would probably spend my money elsewhere. Um, even though 2018 is slow right now, there's a lot of good games out there, you know? Like, I don't know, Slay the Spire is really good. Go read my piece on Slay the Spire. It's a roguelike card game. Uh, it's on the site. It's super good. That that game's only like 15 bucks. Uh, so I think this game is absolutely worth playing if they take this bullshit out and make a very easy <laughs> fix to it. <laughs> yeah. I have like a moral problem with what they did here. Um, and otherwise think that they made a really cool and interesting game, but this this is like inexcusable. So, yeah, yeah. Again, very frustrating because like <laughs> cyberpunk, cyberpunk. You can there's a lot of room to play with in the as the genre. The genre has historically been um, beset by straightness uh, and has recently gotten some really great queer work uh, in that space. Queer and 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 also like non-white work. Uh, in the cyberpunk space and so it was cool to see a game that was going that direction um and you know i hope that they continue making games i'm not like retire but like you know take this criticism to heart and and do better next time because i'll play the next thing you know uh, that they make I'm, i'm curious about about if they can internalize this sort of criticism and and build something uh that's just as on point and then also just does not make this big 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 mistake so yeah um what else? Are people playing things that are not super depressing and, and <laughs> compromised? I mean, uh, it's maybe a little depressing, but in a good way. Oh, I okay. Think. What are you playing? Uh, I'm playing They Are Billions. Oh, that uh, is the zombie game. That is the... RTS zombie game, yeah. Right. You're, uh, and you're a zombie lord. No, you're not a zombie lord. <laughs> this is not that game. <laughs> No, but uh, it, it does it does harken back to a lot of um, oh my god okay, listeners, there was a graph in my in my Verbillions piece uh-huh. that really beautifully situate, situated the uh, Verbillions in the history of the RTS. Uh-huh. Um, one would say it elevated the piece from like a take to uh, dare I say uh, a treatise. Ah, yeah, uh, of course. And I think it, it really would have uh, elevated uh, both the piece and your understanding of where the Arbillion sits in the RTS space. Uh, but but Austin That's me. was like, Rob, no one cares about Warcraft 3 anymore. That's I wasn't just Warcraft. I was, I was very kind and very clear that 20-year-olds would have been four when th- Warcraft 3 came out. This is a graph that you talked about, Age of Empires 2. And I, I know that people listening know what Age of Empires 2 is. I loved Age of Empires 2. But... You know, we have a lot of young listeners, and we didn't need a 300-word uh, paragraph about Age of Empires 2. Uh, you can you pull know, that you, graph up. You, you can you, read you give that. me the word count, that's fair. That's what I'm saying. That is that is a page. And not just uh, about Pat or uh, uh, Rob. This is not just about Age of Empires two and Warcraft three. You're name dropping specific missions. There's a line in here. Where you're like <laughs> the Coaling of Strathholm mission from Warcraft three when oh, a grieving Jesus and enraged. Christ. I, I liked Warcraft three. Yeah, '90s kids know what I'm talking about. <laughs> okay. Yeah, you heard Patrick's outrage on my behalf uh, <laughs> right there that uh, that you that you cut that reference. But anyway. Uh, so, so their billions though is very much operating in the 
sort of classic base builder RTS mold, but it's not an RTS where it's all about like a multiplayer deathmatch skirmish thing. It's a like survival game. Uh, basically, you, you you start the game. You're you're sort of overseeing a little outpost, and then uh, the the map is filled with just sort of herds of zombies. Who, uh, if they get into your town, will start infecting buildings, uh, spawning more zombies, and it will quickly like uh, cause a chain reaction that will wipe out your settlement. So, you have to build up defenses, and then you know at semi regular intervals defend yourself against like waves. Um, it's not quite as regular as like a tower defense game uh but like every so often you do get like a horde of zombies uh which are just it's a much huger it's a much bigger crowd hitting all at once and then they usually have like special infected uh hitting at that time too that will like start doing special damage or or, um you know you'll have like giants show up and start like leveling your walls and you have to stay ahead of that and continue upgrading and improving your defenses and sending patrols out into the wilderness to cut down on the number of zombies that are in the world uh, to basically become uh, a, the next horde. Uh, the whole thing reminds me a lot of, um, you know, if, if, if you liked those parts in, like, the World War Z book uh, that are about, like, the practicalities of, like, actually fighting zombie armies... Mm. Uh, this really scratches that itch uh, in, in the form of a really traditional, really good RTS. Right. The thing that ended up being really surprising for me um, in your write-up, like the, there's stuff that, that was really good in your write-up was talking about the sort of clocks. Uh, unsurpri- I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of clocks counting down uh, and, and the sort of like rhythm of like a, wa- a huge wave hits and then you go into rebuild mode after you survive and you, you fail to be as pessimistic as you need to be to see what comes next. Uh, that part is like probably my favorite bit in this, in this write up. Um, but the thing that I hadn't thought about that you then do situate it as is like, I was looking at this only as an RTS. I was like, Oh, this is like the game that I get to turtle in. Finally. Like I've played RTSs my whole life and, I love building bases, um, and finally I get to have a game just about building bases. Uh, but you also like kind of draw it the other way too, which is like the this is a game, this is a tower defense game in which you actually have to be aggressive instead of just defensive, <laughs> and aggressive in your architecture, aggressive in your in your layout. And that's not a thing that we I had even thought about having even watched like 40 minutes of this game. Uh, I think that that's really fascinating because for that younger generation, tower defense games are are everywhere. They've played, you know, they've played all of these tower defense games on mobile, on, you know, flash games, on HTML5 games. Like that is, is as uh, trench in a genre as the RTS was, I think, for us. Um, and I think that this sits in a really interesting cross section between the two. Not cross-section, but, you know, overlap between the two. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Yeah, it, um, it, it feels like, 
you know, I said in the piece, it's, it's, it's kind of amazing that it took this long for someone to have this idea. Mm. Uh, because it, it does hit on a lot of sort of mission structures and things that just people have always loved doing with RTSs. I mean, you know, like one of the main marketing tools for the Age of Empires games back in the day was to show people what sort of cool forts and cities you could build, you mm-hmm. know, in those in those games. Even if you never would do that in an actual match, it was cool that you could kind of build this entire like medieval castle town, right? And like right. defend that. This game actually lets you do that and and it's practical. Uh, but it also forces you to go out into the world and still do that classic RTS stuff. Uh, so it at moments it is totally a tower defense game where you just have to huddle inside those walls and hope you can ride out the attack. But they aren't going to march obediently into your maze and <laughs> right. get slaughtered that way. They can right. just break the walls of the maze. Right. That's cool. Um, this is in early access right now, right? It's just on Windows? Yeah, and it definitely feels like there's uh, quite a bit of development still to do on it. Like, mm. like right now it doesn't feel super balanced. I'm not sure the end game uh, is is all the way there. Uh, basically, like, there's some really coarse grained like tech progressions you can make. You go to tier two, and then to tier three, and it's all centered on like two or three different like research buildings. And once you get that building, you can basically immediately get all the new tech. There's no like choices. Like once you can afford the to scale up, you can just do that. And after you, and then you just buy the new best stuff and upgrade your old buildings. Uh, I'm hoping that that gets that there are more interesting dilemmas you'll face, or 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 or, or harder choices uh, you have to make about what kind of defenses you're building uh, in later builds of the game. But right now, it's it's very much sort of a uh, just a game where you're trying to deal with the steady ramp up of pressure. Sounds good. Good. Are there actually good. billions of them? It's a real question. Good question. There are not. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and in fact, like there's a lot of there's a lot of screenshots uh, on the Steam store page that show a lot of zombie hordes that I sure haven't seen. <laughs> uh, They're hiding. The billions like, are like, hiding, right? <laughs> Is it for the sense, like in the same way that like World War Z's trick, like that, like the at least the movie version of that, which is just an okay zombie flick, but like that one of the things that movie is successful at uh, conveying is a a scale of like what a horde is and like what that would be like to actually face. Mm-hmm. And so I, I almost wonder if that's the similar attack they're taking with their villains. Is like it feels like a billion zombies, even if like the idea that like they're realistically going to model. You know, yeah, no. hundreds of thousands. You'll of still have those moments where, like, uh, yeah, if you remember the World War Z movie, uh, which, uh, boy, I can't believe we've both seen that. Uh, <laughs> it's, there are, it's okay. if, there are if, if you like zombie fiction, uh, there are enough bits in that movie that are interesting if you are interested in that sort of stuff, right? Like the the moment where they stack themselves to get over the wall is fucking. That's cool. the part I'm talking and, and, about. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the, this is a hundred percent that, like that moment where the zombies are just running up each other's bodies, like starting to climb the wall. Uh, yeah, there's basic like they won't do literally that, but you will see these massive hordes like collect at one key point, and your amazing choke point, your funnel. Uh, you start to realize, like, oh, you've actually stacked up way too much pressure at one point, <laughs> and is mathematically impossible for any for for that position to hold. And uh, everyone's going to die because of that mistake. <laughs> Great. Good. Good. <laughs> Real cool. <laughs> I'm thrilled with... Yeah. Great. Uh, we should go to the question bucket before we're just too depressed to 
to Let's live. Let's get some uplifting questions. All right, hey, let's... Celeste is a good game and people should buy it when it comes yeah, out wait, what Thursday. Is Celeste? Switch, Xbox One, and PlayStation tell, 4. Tell me more about Celeste, Patrick. It's a, it's a really good uh, platforming game from uh, Matt Thorson, the designer behind Towerfall. Oh. Um, is it it's, a uh, it's a platformer? So it's just like, it would compare it to another platformer. I've seen very little of this. I was trying to watch on my phone while you were streaming. I don't know what I would like directly compare it to, but it, like in describing like what what you do, like it is a um, it, it, it it's super Meat Boy esque in that you are expected to die a lot. It is not nearly as brutal or as punishing as Super Meat Boy. Um, uh, Celeste uh, sort of like gives you. If you want to participate in the masochism, it's more optional. You know, it's like collecting uh, strawberries, which are just little collectibles around the environment. Like the the really difficult platforming challenges are uh, tucked behind those strawberries, finding hidden walls that are you know indicated by t- you know tiny. Uh, uh, changes in the environmental art. Um, those hide the, the real challenges. And the game does a nice thing where, like, uh, it's uh, the tool tips that, uh, that occur during loading screens are just, like, these really nice... Like, one of them is, is like... Uh, I don't have the exact wording in front of me, but it's like, hey, the collectibles are optional. It's cool if you don't want to get them. The game's <laughs> fun without you doing that. Um, uh, there's another one, the tool tip, that's uh, it's like... we. Uh, don't think of your death count as the times that you're losing. Like, think of it as ways you're just learning how to progress Aww. and get better at the game. And I was like, cool. those are just like really nice yeah. little sentiments, game. Um, and I, one thing I would say that's uh, uh, the way it's set up is like it's uh, rather than giving a whole lot of options for the player, you just have a dash. You uh, you jump and you can dash in in, in eight directions. Um, and the game riffs on that by introducing sort of elements on top of that that are related to the environment as opposed to being gotcha. um, giving the player a billion mechanics or abilities. So it's like you'll there are sequences where uh, you'll uh, there'll be like little uh, like kind of blobs in the environment that you can shoot through, and when like your character dashes into it, it locks them into a dash in that direction. And if you run into a wall, then you die. But so you're trying to position yourself in different ways to shoot yourself across the world to, to get to, to hidden areas um, and to, to not kill yourself in the process. Uh, it uh, The one thing that I think is interesting, I'm curious to see how it pans out, is that it's actually layering sort of interesting story uh, on top of its platforming. Generally speaking, platformers don't have a lot of storytelling because no, they no. are they tend to rely, which is totally fine, to rely on the mechanics as the core appeal for uh, why you're there in the first place. And Celeste has really, really... Uh, good uh, mechanics. It would be satisfying without a story that was more than just like a loose premise. Um, but you're actually playing this character, Madeline, who seems to be having, uh, you know, uh, I'm pretty early, so this is really a spoiler, um, uh, sort of like various mental breaks. Um, and she is dealing with mental health issues that like are the reason she is climbing this proverbial hmm. mountain that uh, is the, the, the original premise for the game. Um, so I'm I'm curious to see where it goes because it is it is trying to bite off a lot more than a, a <laughs> than platformer. Most platformers, yeah, yeah, platformers. Yeah. T- platformers tend to be premise, and that's it. Um, and and Celeste seems to be saying that uh, you know we're going to try and do something a little more, but I don't know how deep uh, that is going uh, to be. Um, Sounds like somebody I mean, didn't play Sonic Forces, which is a treatise on rebellion and resistance. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one that yeah. we need. well. Um, Hashtag me, I don't think our I don't think our readers know about uh, Sonic Forces. <laughs> uh, Austin, if you if you want to link me to your Let's Play of uh, Sonic Forces, yeah, where you do. record you record all of your hours of the Sonic Forces, I'm I, I would be I would play through Sonic Forces. That's you. you know that's you know 
We we probably oh, made we the mistake. Played, yeah. We made the mistake Fuck. of hyping up NAC two as the game that we should have forced ourselves to play when Sonic Forces was probably the, the, the true game that we should have. We could have made uh, our own ourselves. our own hedgehog or bird or cat or all sorts of different. We could have made uh, Waypoint yeah. the, the owl. Bird we could have done it. Waypoint the bird dog. Uh, oh, is that one of the options? I hope so. Oh my god. <laughs> so maybe um, it was DLC. Oh, uh, I see. Also, I, I Celeste, which I uh, streamed on the PC last week, uh, I have since played on Switch and. Yo, that's the place where you should play. Oh, I, play on <laughs> right. I need Let's to try to bring that. it up because very briefly, Rob and I have both been playing uh, uh, Darkest Dungeon on Switch. I'm not sure that's where you should play that. Stay I dark. was really convinced this was going to be the platform where that game was going to like. It's good on PC, but I was like, man, if only it could be on Switch and it could go with me everywhere. <laughs> I might just keep trying it on Switch, but yeah, it's it's a tough one. It's a uh, there's a lot of little text. And there's like this mix of touchscreen and, um, and like controller-based uh, interaction. It's doing the simplest thing, like moving an item from general inventory onto a specific character. Yeah, requires a move set uh, <laughs> on par with like a Marvel versus Capcom game. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm playing Monster Hunter, and I'm pretty sure I know how to reload my Switch axe better than putting a, a magical charm onto my onto my darkest dungeon like paladin or whatever it's not a paladin but you know what i mean crusader crusader um i still i'm gonna keep trying to play through it there because uh, i haven't played it on radiant mode and if i played on radiant mode maybe one day i'll beat that game that would be cool so uh all right let's do one question and then we'll call it a day from the question bucket let's do a couple also wait real briefly patrick i turned on to your celeste stream for like two uh-huh. seconds and yeah. it was so and as soon as i loaded it up someone in the chat said they didn't like strawberries and i don't know what to do with my life at this point yeah fuck them <laughs> not strawberries don't well i don't know do what you want i guess <laughs> um, yeah what would you, you not like strawberries that? oh sorry Wait, Danielle, do you not like strawberries? No, I love strawberries. Oh, okay. Right. They go off super fast, though. Like, real assholes. Oh, yeah. Like, you put them in the fridge. It's like, these are going to be delicious. I'm going to enjoy Five these for, like, the later. whole week. <laughs> it's, like, disgusting, like, compost. <laughs> hey, you got you to learn how to fridge. freeze fruit. That Get is, like a, like, a big life tip. Well, one, if your strawberries are lasting long enough to, to go bad, yo, maybe think about eating those fucking strawberries, because <laughs> I thought you said you were a strawberry fan. We're in the Northeast, though. We get them, like... 25 days after they were picked. No. Right, I, was, I, I lived in day. California. It was happening there, too. I mean, they're way better in California. They're just, just real shitheads. I, like, just eat the strawberries. Just, like, real... You know, guys were talking about, like, easy solutions to, like, problems. Like, here's an easy solution <laughs> to this one. Eat the strawberries. <laughs> just shove them in your mouth in the grocery just store. Just eat them. Put them in there. Strawberries are so... They're very, they're very good. They are the... I don't know if they're the best fruit, but they're my they're favorite fruit. They're real good. They're up there for me. They're definitely up there. All mm-hmm. right, this question comes in from Craig from Baltimore, who says, I hate strawberries. <laughs> I hate them. <laughs> no. uh, hey, Waypoint friends, unrelated to the coming question, I'm a government employee. I find myself suddenly with lots of free time <laughs> oh, for no Craig. good reason. So why not text? Oh, man. So not, why not write a textbook, Rick, for all of you to read? Uh, feel free to edit and spice as you wish, as the subject matter interests you. Also, fuck this shit and save DACA and Chip. Empathy shouldn't be this hard. Shout out to Craig. Well, Chuck's on half of that equation. <laughs> no. Oh, fuck. 
God damn it. So I've been thinking about this for a while and trying, a, trying to find a way to properly word it, so bear with me. These thoughts came up in conjunction with Quantic Dream before the current controversy, which is a whole other can of worms. I actually think it's a very overlapping can of worms. Uh, and the slice of their new game, Detroit Become Human, that they promoted, where the android protagonist, uh, one of the android protagonists, is in a position where her actions could result in the death of a child at the hands of an abusive father. It got me thinking. In the hands of someone other than David Cage, I might be less pessimistic about how to approach such a delicate topic like child abuse. But it's not just David Cage. All media, not just games, allow for an author to determine cause and effect. Especially in the case of video games, with branching stories where you have agency in multiple interconnected situations, multiple causes and effects need to be put in place for, for the player to navigate. Basically, authors can create a world that acts in a way that they perceive. Games, especially in these situations of choice and consequence, are blurring the line between correlation and causation. In the real world, where every action we make can never be remade in exactly the same circumstances, games allow us to retry things indefinitely and come to as many different conclusions as the code allows. Let me take a breath. It's a big wall of text here. Um... Ha, huh. all right. I find all of this intriguing, but especially so in regards to sensitive, relatable situations that could at least feel ten that could at least tangentially occur in real life. In the hands of someone who has a skewed perspective of how society and human interaction actually works, side eye to Mr. Cage, one could make anything they want cause something else to happen. In a world of infinite replayability, literally everything you do is causal, no matter how mundane, if the code flips a switch and indicates something different will happen. Um, if you didn't talk down the angry father properly, the code makes the child suffer. So according to the code, you did something wrong to cause that to happen. Obviously, in the real world, there's all this backstory and layers upon layers of nuance that aren't in a video game. So you can make a game where you ostensibly caused harm to an NBC because you wore the wrong makeup or you spoke in the wrong tone or because you didn't talk down the homicidal maniac. Um, he goes on with a bunch of other things that just get very dark very quickly, so I'm going to move forward. Uh, this is especially problematic because there are real humans in the real world who do make these kinds of bullshit apologist connections and accusations, and perhaps someone who believes uh, blame should be distributed towards the victims could make that correlation a reality in their own game work. Um, hopefully you, you survive this text wall. All that being said, games with branching story arcs are intriguing, are an intriguing way to view life and its systems through the lens of its creator, uh, and can, gen can be genuinely satisfy satisfying if done realistically. So, if I were to still this down to, into question form, do you think certain topics are better off not being in the hands of a user and their decision-making? Do you think some to topics can't be presented in a way that would fairly consider the causes and effects of their actions? Is there a way to present... Uh, controversial situations which can be repeated and changed in such a way as to affect the story but not necessarily associate blame in the wrong places. Thanks for all you do. Your thoughts mean a lot to me, uh, especially Austin, who is holding down the fort as an Eagles fan in that office. Go Birds. Randall Cunningham is the best. Thank you. Thank you, Craig. <laughs> holding it down. Nick Foles. He's no Nick Foles. Nick, he's known who is? Who is? Nick Foles, uh, Super Bowl champion. Nick Foles, just wait. I hope. Case Keenum. That's a quarterback that's a lot like <laughs> Nick Foles. It's not. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's who is exactly like that. It's all going to fall apart. It was actually, it was, that game was a mirror universe. Like, it really it was. was. <laughs> yeah. It could have gone either way, but it was going to go one of those two ways. Um, I think this is interesting because I, I think it breaks down this very this – very, um, complex and, and real thing. We've talked about this before with relation to the game Spent, 
I think is the, the name yeah. of the game that was about poverty yeah. in which players uh, were, were theoretically supposed to come away feeling like, oh man, it sucks to be broke because if you're, if you're like, you know, uh, a working class individual, if you're below the poverty line, everything's more expensive. It's really hard to dig yourself out. But instead, a lot of those players came out feeling like, oh no, you just have to be smarter while, when you're poor and you can totally dig yourself out. This is not a problem at all. Poor people I would be are the just, best at poverty. I would, uh, I, exactly. Oh I, would, I would crush poverty. Yeah. Um, Min max. I would love like, to see that... the uh, political ideology of people who came away feeling that way as well. Just, Me too. I've always Me wanted too. to know that when well, I hear that about no, that so that was, yeah. Yeah. Well, no, that, that's the thing. That's the thing is the, the, the study that figured that out, those are people who went in feeling like poverty was something inescapable. And the game, because it gamified it, made them change their perspective. It wasn't just that people who went in feeling that way came out feeling that way. It's that the people, like, they, they did the test ahead of time. They, you know, took that quiz ahead of time. And, like, here's how I feel about this stuff. And then afterwards, because it had been broken down, as Craig says, kind of, like, into these clear causal relationships, because it had been sanitized of, like, the emotional weight, in a mm-hmm. sense, they came out feeling like, oh, it's just about lining the numbers up right. And that is really rough. And in the, the cases that, that Craig is talking about in Detroit, but also in, in, you know, you can imagine a lot of other games that would try to tackle similar subject matter that has a lot of causes, like the, we do exist in a, in a genre where the, there is almost a, 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 a disclaiming of authorship mm-hmm. where like, David Cage can say, oh, there isn't, there isn't, uh, you know, child abuse in this game if you play well enough. And he hasn't said that, but like you, he puts it on the player a little bit. But at the same time, it's his logic that leads to that thing uh, or it's the, that team's logic that leads to that event happening and, and like saying, OK, here are the steps you need to take to prevent that result. Um, and as Craig says, like you can imagine all sorts of things here going way wrong based on based on what uh, a dev's kind of personal ideology is. Yeah, I think one of the things that makes games so appealing is the feeling that taking fairly simple actions results in either heroic or, or dramatic results, right? I think that's one right. of the main appeals of games is saying like, if I press these buttons in this order with this kind of thing, I'm going to get this amazing result. It simplifies everything about human action, and and I I sort of agree here with this idea that it could be toxic or it could be damaging in some ways to kind of do that, the input-output of that sort of ridiculous oversimplification. But at the same time, like, of course, anybody can make any game they want, but... Right. Like yeah, yeah, I feel like I, I know it's so stupid, but we because we live in 2018, everybody will uh, misunderstand that. It's that that's that's the <laughs> that's the number one thing, right? Nobody's actually calling for for artists to not make their work, but is it potentially damaging? Sure, I, I think we uh, we're all kind of seeing the effects of oversimplification ruining our lives on a <laughs> government level pretty often. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, like that's the thing is like these are the stories that people in power do often right. tell they do tell the story that is that is if she hadn't been wearing that outfit right. or that is if if this person had you know oh they why do they own a big screen tv i thought they were poor if this right? one like, simple thing yeah exactly right yeah exactly one one easy trick uh <laughs> to get yourself into to, to make yourself not a victim fuck God. off um 
so but yeah so i think that's interesting because games are this very in this very unique position of i mean i I, again i'm I'm the sort of person who thinks that all media is interactive and there are different degrees of interactivity and blah 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 but in games so much of the so much of the rhetoric around it and so much of the design of games does sort of put the 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 player in the role of co-author and um you even think about something like grand strategy games like i think about something like crusader kings 2 or stellaris where you can see communities like debate over the underlying ideology but behind some of the game design choices because there's a difference in what they think um is a is a, a sort of political truth like the the big one in some st- societies f- slide into oppression because the man at the top thinks that uh, robots are just so incredibly awesome <laughs> that anyone who doesn't agree uh, should just be shipped off we should, planet we to should play uh, some, our least hospital hospital planet we should um <laughs> we should play some more Stellaris uh once that once that patch hits uh, but no like I think in Stellaris is a really good example where when that game launched one of the divides that you could choose in in terms of like or one of the kind of cultural identity divisions was either um uh it was like individualist or or collectivist and and the collectivist one was like ended up having bonuses for slavery um it was like oh yeah people don't mind being slaves because they it's all for the collective uh and the individualist one was like very clearly like randian capitalism um, and there was a huge debate about that and about that divide of like, oh, is this really the only version of socialism you can imagine as a place where people are literally slaves? Uh, and so they ended up changing those things. And there's a huge backlash in the community from a bunch of kind of Randians, uh, libertarians who had kind of disliked that the new the new uh, kind of cultural ethics put in place were more about authoritarianism versus freedom. Um, but but. Boy, is it interesting to see that that community fight over over politics. Ugh. Oh, it's interesting and revealing as hell. Uh, you know, I think if you if you watch the reaction that uh, some negative reviews of Stellaris got, particularly like Rowan Kaiser, I freaking forgot uh, about it, that. Jesus Christ! Uh, yeah, no, like he like he had a pretty uh, significant harassment campaign like leveled against him by fans of Stellaris. I don't think that's an accident. Like yeah. uh, a lot of there are aspects of that genre that play into a lot of toxic fantasies mm-hmm. uh, that like have unique appeal within like the history of like Western imperialist culture. Um, and when your game sort of positions itself at the start as sort of ironically embracing uh, some of those revanchist fantasies, uh, community can take it uh, in some interesting directions. Yeah. I mean, I think this comes down, it's weird that we're on strategy games now, but I, I feel like we've, we've, I, I've mentioned this before, but one of my, one of my most interesting podcasts ever to listen to was the three moves ahead on, um, the, what's the DNBN foo, uh, game called again, Rob? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think it might uh, just be the final gamble. Just, that might be it. Yeah. Um, uh, I think it's episode 305 with Kim Kang, Kanger, Kim yeah. Kanger. Um, who is a who's the designer of DNB yes, and Foo, the final gamble, uh, which is about a very specific battle in in the French uh, uh, war in in um, uh, in Vietnam, uh, and uh, worked out a certain way. It ended a certain way, and there was a really good discussion inside of that. That's like, can games that are trying to replicate history should war games should strategy games if they are left to be played out by, by the AI, should those end with the real historical end? If you're playing a game about World War II, 
if it's just the AI on the AI, should it be balanced such that the the you know the the allies win? Um, or do you leave the possibility space for an Axis win there, for, for the Axis powers to win there? Or even beyond that, how do you represent something when it's asymmetrical um, and, and when the causes are so com- complex? Um, and I, I, I think it maybe feels easier to talk about this than it does to talk about something like, uh, you know, parental abuse as in the the david cage thing because with with like when i watched that year or that your game or that uh gamescom footage from from uh detroit become human like my response was so purely emotional at seeing the cheapness of using the the kind of assault on on a child to generate uh, an emotional response that like well and then the text uh it could have been different <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, if only you'd chosen differently. Fucking God. Uh, Christ. Yeah, it's... Games, one of their huge appeals is, like, they can give you this agency, like you were saying, Danielle, this agency and this ability to, like, have do-overs that, like, can never come in real life. Yeah. But trying to model... Try, trying to model, particularly, like really particular individual like circumstances like situations of domestic abuse right like it the, these are these are enormously personal contextual situations that like in in some ways history feels easier to abstract it, it is easier to abstract away into broader like historical trends and movements that you can then sort of discuss uh you know from an armchair at, at arm's mm-hmm. length but when you're talking about these situations where one of the core dynamics is uh, victim blaming and victim self-blaming, and then you systematize that and say outright that, well, if only you'd made different choices <laughs> uh, along the way. Right. Yeah. And like that can be applied to any sort of personal tragedy. You know, there's, you know, I mean, literally, you know, like my, my partner was in a car accident last year. It was not a major car accident, but like it was, it was a traumatic event. And like this is a situation where there ha- there weren't a ton of like really horrible ongoing consequences from it. Even in that situation, I watched her go through this process of like, oh man, if only I just why the fuck did I stop yeah. for coffee that morning? You know what I mean? Like all those things that you do over a harmless situation. And now we're going to take that logic, gamify it around the worst possible thing possible, like that you know for some people's personal nightmare yeah. right well it's funny because i think the game that maybe does this the best that i played in recent history was the original life is strange which is literally about this obsession with if only i could have done it differently if only i could go back and change things like that game lets you do that and then also it doesn't let you do that because there are things that are too far back or there are moments when your powers don't work the way you want them to um in life is strange you play a character who has the ability to kind of rewind time and re-go through a conversation um and one of the reasons that works there is because a lot of the characters whom on first blush are despicable or who commit horrific acts um, a lot of those characters are given a, an extra deal of nuance by being uh, because you're able to go back and see them from different perspectives because you're able to explore these different lines of dialogue with them and then also it's totally willing to say no some of these people are just shitty like the big bad villain of that of that first season does not have some like heartbreaking history right like he's just an asshole who does shitty things to people uh, is willing to have villains, but also willing to say that like 
life is complex when people, even when people are hurt sometimes. Um, and I, it's, it's funny that like the game that leans the hardest into that is, is maybe the one that, that gets it right. Um, people should play that original game. I like that. I like that more than, than I thought I would. Yeah. All right. I think that's probably going to do it for us today. Uh, as always, if you have questions, you can, uh, you can, uh, send them in to gaming at vice.com. Use the subject questions. Uh, we'll be back uh, all week for streams over on twitch.tv slash waypoint. We'll be back on Friday for another episode of the podcast. Um, we don't know what that podcast is going to be about yet, but we'll, we'll tweet figure about it, it and you can send us questions for that. <laughs> we'll figure it out. Danielle, where can people find you on the internet? At Danielle R.I. on Twitter. How about you, Rob? Uh, in the produce section of uh, Wegmans, trying to find some strawberries that look like they'll keep for longer than the six hours that apparently I'm supposed to eat them within. Patrick Klepek, how about you? I'm uh, going to go look into my freezer where I sometimes put uh, the fruit before it goes bad because you just you, can, you put in smoothies, you can put them True. in other things. True. Uh, you just got to be creative. Just, oh, strawberry you know, smoothie is good as hell. Yeah. Be be your best, Nick Foles, and uh, don't don't allow your previous beliefs on strawberries to, to <laughs> define your future. Uh, sometimes sometimes you too can beat the best uh, defense in football somehow. Somehow, uh, somehow, yeah. and not just somehow. He did very well. He, he did, did very well. He had one hundred forty three point six like quarterback rating. It's a bullshit it's metric, a bu- but basically it means a- he was basically means he was fucking good. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Doing right now, this minute, what is he thinking about? I hope he's resting, yeah. and and he's probably a little nervous. Yeah. But you, uh, the, uh, I saw it's uh, I saw like like the post game interview where like they asked like how do you feel like do you feel bad for Case Keenum and I guess like Case Keenum like good guy Case Keenum actually like went up to him and said like hey man you deserve this more than anyone which is like what a, like a nice That's thing to yeah. say after getting your ass beat given that like those two are like the same type of quarterback yeah. like you could just like, kind of flip a coin on them and yeah. Go go for it, Nick Foles. Go for we it, believe Nick Foles. In you. Give me give me a give me a win. I we need a win this year. Like the Patriots. America needs a win, which E-A-G-L-E-S is that the Patriots Eagles. don't go and present Donald Trump <laughs> oh. with another Trump <laughs> Patriot. God, uh, can you imagine? Ugh. Mm. Don't worry, Fuck it's Robert 2018. Kraft. What's going to actually happen is the Eagles are going to win, and then they are going to go to Donald Trump. <laughs> oh, no. Nick Foles is going to shake Donald Trump's hand with a big smile, and I'll Nick! cry. Find me on Twitter at EaglesFan12. Shout out to Randall Cunningham. The greatest. 12th Eagles fan. That's me, the 12th one. OG. OG. OG Eagles fan. Find me at Austin underscore Walker. Find Waypoint at Twitter.com slash Waypoint. Facebook.com slash Waypoint Vice. YouTube.com slash Waypoint Vice. Twitch.tv slash Waypoint. And as always, Waypoint.Vice.com. Shout out to Bowen for letting us use the song Miss You off the EP Pale Machine. Find out more about that at Waypoint.Zone slash B-O-E-N. That's Bowen. That's, that's Bowen. That's his name. All right, that's going to do it for us. Danielle, what do we say to him? We say be good and be good at it. And even if you came up in New England, don't root for the Patriots. Wow. Big word. Bodied. 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 (laughs) Peace. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com.
the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.